0: Welcome to the Hunt Back Country Podcast. This is episode number four hundred and thirty-six, and our guest is a listener of the show, Adam. He reached out to me about going to Nepal for a blue sheep hunt, which I honestly don't know much about at all, was super intrigued. All I really know about hunting blue sheep in Nepal is that they're very big mountains. It requires obviously a lot of travel and logistics, and it takes an entire team to do a hunt like that. And so while it's not our normal hunt, it's not, you know, a backcountry elk hunt or deer, bear, sheep, goat, etc. Yeah, I was stoked to have this conversation with Adam and was not disappointed. It is such a unique, cool adventure. It was fun to hear about the place, the culture, the people, and more. So I know that you will enjoy this as well. Before we dive into this conversation, I wanted to let you guys know that Adam also, after the podcast, wrote some details of the story and shared a lot of photos over on the forum Rock Slide, and I'll leave a link in the show description so that if you listen to this story and you want to see more about the country and the people that he talks about in this conversation, it's a great way to go see some photos from the adventure. Finally, and we say this all the time, but truly consider taking a moment to pause right now and consider leaving a rating or review. If you enjoy the show, it would help us tremendously. Thank you for doing that. Let's dive into this conversation with Adam. Well, Adam, I am excited to chat with you today. Uh, Kind of in particular, because I feel like this, this hunt and the context of it, I don't know a lot about. And I think I know it's a big adventure hunt, but there's also just a lot of unknowns to me. So I'm excited to hear about this wild hunt that uh, I've not researched and don't know a bunch about, which we'll get into, of course. But uh, before we do, what's a kind of a personal introduction background, whatever you want to share, just to give listeners context for who you are, where you're from, that type of thing.
1: Sure, sure. So I'm Adam, and I am an adult-onset hunter. So uh, I live in Brownstone, Brooklyn, New York, um, a thorough flatlander, uh, and I'm lucky enough to have a place up in the Adirondack Mountains of uh, of New York that, uh, that really got me started in hunting. I, I got started in hunting probably, I'd say, 20 years ago when I'd be sitting out on upon trying to catch fish in mid october and just realizing what a colossal waste of time that was <laughs> so it just was not happening and i i just got it started to to get into hunting i had the surrounds i uh, uh the adirondack park is one of the biggest parks on planet earth and in in terms of its its sheer size and and it envelops entire cities and and, and towns and and as such there are millions of acres of public land uh which is kind of a rarity in this part of the world so uh, i i had all of this opportunity at my doorstep and started to 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 pursue you know whitetail and 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 black bear and and i have a couple of hunting dogs and we go out for grouse and and so that got me started in in terms of just hunting and 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 hunters in my part of the world are are very few and far between so it was really kind of by my own initiative uh just just to learn and and and, and develop friendships and uh you know basically start from zero um way back when you know paying my dues sitting in in tree stands for hours on end with, 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 with no result. And, 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 you know, so it's, it's been kind of that, um, genesis of, of an unlikely pursuit in an unlikely space that, uh, that, that got me started in the whole thing. So, yeah, that's kind of my background in terms of hunting. And, you know, um, it's kind of culminated, if you will, in this adventure hunt that, is a very rare thing in its own right in a very faraway place and um and and it's been it's been an interesting journey over over the years um you know to to the point where here i am speaking with you about a nepalese blue sheep hunt
0: a little bit different than uh, some whitetail and black bear hunting in the northeast yeah. <laughs> yes it is yes have it you, is have you done anything in between and by that i mean have you done like any mountain hunts in the lower 40s, yes. Canada or Alaska. What does that look like? Yeah.
1: So, you know, kind of, again, it's kind of like you're building a resume of sorts, you know, to prepare you for, for the, the next thing. Right. So uh, one of my first uh, out of state hunts was a spot and stock black bear hunt in British Columbia, which was, was fabulous. And then from there um, did a, uh, a new Newfoundland, moose hunt you know that was a drivable hunt up to to newfoundland that was fabulous and then um a main black bear hunt over hounds and then um a really strange and wonderful hunt on Majorca, you know for valerian bach that was just a crazy weird hunt in 100 degree heat in the middle of summer um and then you know ending up in alaska in southeast alaska Doing a, uh, a mountain goat hunt, which was was just fabulous, and that that kind of gave me that was the primer and gave me the taste for mountain hunting in terms of its its intersection of fitness, marksmanship, woodsmanship, you know, mountaineering. It really is just a, a real multidisciplinary. Uh, uh, way to 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 hunt and pursuit in its own right. So that that really kind of lit the fire, if you will. Like, wow, this is this is great because it, it is combining all these different disciplines uh, in a way that you know tree stand sitting doesn't do. I mean, and that's a different that's a whole different set of skills, right? You're 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 strategizing and figuring out deer movement and timings and wind. So that that has its own thing, but this is just another another example of, of 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 a need to to really dive in on a on a very deep level uh in pursuit of an animal
0: and i'm just smiling hearing that cuz i relate to so much of what you said and that's one of the things that for me mountain hunting is so like all encompassing as you talked about just the the physical aspect of it the marksmanship the difficulty the challenge the adventure the unknown like there's just, it's so many things wrapped into one that I haven't found anything like it.
1: And you ignore one of those aspects at your peril.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you were reminded
1: if you didn't quite pay, you know, or, or put enough work in one aspect, it's going to show up. There's no, you can't hide.
0: Mm-hmm, yeah.
1: Right? I'm sorry, go
0: ahead. Shh. No, was, I was gonna ask as an aside, what part of Southeast Alaska roughly was that mountain Good hunt?
1: Um. So this was in, I wanna say, Unit it was in in misty fjords national monument
0: oh okay um
1: at yeah. a Ketchikan. Yeah. so i hooked up with uh with uh primo expeditions at at Turabo a turbo and had just a fabulous it was a fabulous experience just really just a, a great outfit with big big billies mm-hmm. um yeah yeah it was just a, a fabulous hunt and it really kind of gave me that that primer and 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 in in reference to what we were, are going to talk about you know both mountain hunts but in terms of the preparation couldn't be more different um in terms of of how to prepare for a mountain hunt these two, these are these two hunts are like almost 180 degrees in, in different but still mountain hunting in, in terms of what's required you know for for the job so to speak
0: i'm excited to come back to that cuz i I'm sure some guys here in that are like, well, what do you mean? Cause it, they're both mountain hunts. They're both like be in shape and be ready to hike, et cetera. But let's, let's come back to that. Let's put a pin in that. Yeah, I do want to hear how the heck did blue sheep get on the radar and come together? Like, when did you start looking at this hunt? How did you make it a reality? Like, yeah, from the beginning of, all right, I'm, I'm building this hunting resume, if you will, and getting different experiences and, you know, growing in skills and all that, like, how does that jump all the way to Nepal?
1: Well, it's it's an it's a, a bit of an interesting story. So this this goes back to t- 2020 pre pandemic. Um, um, <clears throat> I was looking forward to turning sixty in 2023, and as an aspect of turning sixty, I wanted to do what I would consider you know kind of the the, the ultimate hunt, and but but the ultimate hunt then and my arrangements were for and my intention was to be in alaska on a doll sheep hunt now 20 you know 2020 everything was rosy then we hit the pandemic okay fair enough you know my my hunt schedule for 2023 things have to work themselves out and and of course they do but all the while while i'm i'm Doing some light preparation. I, I keep myself in decent shape throughout the year, you know, but, but mentally and, and you know, all the, the real enjoyment of, of mountain hunting is it's all in the prep. So, you know, all the obsessive details, you, 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 the research, the, the load development, the, the, you know, all the things you, you do to prepare. That's, that's one of the greatest joys of, of, of any kind of hunting, really. But so, but, but, but contemporaneously to that, I keep reading very dire stories and reports of diminishing doll sheep populations and it's it's a growing concern you know each year we're looking at, at harvest statistics dropping and everybody including the biologists like what is what is happening to these mature doll sheep and then they they have the the Alaska Range closure, and it's it's getting very worrying, you know, in terms of the investment, um, uh, of of time and money, and 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 just gosh, you just want an opportunity, if if anything, you know, and and certainly it's not guaranteed, but when you see those numbers, it it does create a lot of doubt and concern. And I am extremely fortunate that my outfitter called me, and he said, "Adam, I'm not seeing the numbers." I'm just not seeing the numbers. And, you know, this past season, and this is in 2022, he says, this past season, we went 50% and I'm not even happy. Our our Rams were legal, but I'm not happy with the age class that that we're having to take. And and I am not going to hunt the concession in 2023. And I'm extremely fortunate. The guy could have taken me for... A very expensive camping trip. Just knowing his numbers are down, just to keep his business afloat. So he cancels. He says, "He said, well, what about 2024?" And I go, "You know what, brother? I can't do 2024. My only kid is leaving for college, and if you take, you know, when if you have a kid that age, that's right during Alaska doll sheep season. Mm-hmm. And if I want to maintain my marriage." That is not a that's not a go. <laughs> that's not even a question. Yeah. So only kid goes off to college. You got you got to be on on board. So I said, all right, let's you know maybe push out to twenty twenty five. Um, but now I'm I'm turning sixty. I don't have a hunt. I was in uh I'm in the Wyoming draw as a non resident. Um, just a general uh, general area. Don't draw that. And so now, boy, this is this is this isn't looking. This fall is not looking great. And so this is bad. So now, fast forward to, to, to last like late April, and I'm reading a couple stories on rockslide about a, a couple of guys that that went on this blue sheep hunt. And I said, boy, that's that sounds interesting. Um, and I, one of the guys wrote up a, a real nice piece, and 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 it really kind of captured my imagination in terms of. Uh, I hadn't even thought of an international hunt at all. I thought I want to go to Alaska. I want to, you know, try to kill a doll sheep and, you know, all that. I didn't think of Canada. I didn't. It's okay. but then, but then also, just to backtrack one half second, the pandemic and the number of and, and the diminished number of of doll sheep in Alaska have really kind of conspired to put a super premium on. Northwest Territory and Yukon hunts, so that that that's really booked up, and so so I I, I was just like, oh boy, what can I do? So I read about this blue sheep hunt, and I called um, Neil and Brownlee. I I didn't call; I sent him an email, just just like, hey, you know, I was interested in learning more because I didn't know a lot. I, I learned a little bit about the kind of the basics and 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 boy that looks very interesting in terms of kind of the cultural immersion and where it is and what you have to you know what 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 what's it, i you know, what it's about and so uh you know greg responds back to me and he says listen man i have two guys that are decided to go to tajik tajikistan and i have an opening are you interested I said, boy, oh, boy, that, that's great. Yes, I'm interested. Um, and one, one of the attractive features of this particular hunt is it happens to, to, to kind of come in very, very approximately to, to the cost of a, of a Alaskan doll sheep hunt. So from a financial standpoint, okay, great. I'm in, you know, and, and, and there, there started the, the the whole process. So there's a, there's an element of good and bad luck and just the, the timing of my inquiry and these guys decision to to go to Tajikistan has me ending up on the queue to do a blue sheet. And, 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 and then once, once Greg started telling me about it and, 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 you know, kind of what was involved, it, it just, it just got better and better, you know, because it was, such a, a, a unique experience, um, you know, and, and, it lived up to the, to kind of, to the hype because it, it, it is, it is a very unusual, um, and very unspoiled hunt. It's, it, it it's, it's kind of unique, you know, it's a very unique experience. Let's put it that way. Yeah. So that, that's kind of how I got to, okay, I'm going to go to, you know, to, to Nepal and, and do this blue sheep hunt
0: so when you say it was financially similar to the alaska doll sheep hunt is that kind of like all in or is that just like kind of the base hunt but then international travel and extra logistics and all that made it you know significantly more expensive or is it roughly ballpark like somewhat even all in
1: ballpark i mean and 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 i'm talking about like right now what 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 the doll sheep hunts are going for yeah you know um uh and you know it's yeah yeah it's it's roughly the same maybe maybe just a a touch more but when you look at what goes into doing this hunt it's it's just insane you know you see where the money is going oh yeah it's 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 very apparent you know from the the logistics standpoint
0: yeah logistics and staff if you will which we we can get into what that looked like but it's yeah it's definitely much different than flying to alaska and roaming around the mountains for 10 days with a guide.
1: <laughs> it is so, it's, like I say, there's a 180 degree difference. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So on the preparation. Yes. Uh, obviously we have hindsight. You have hindsight now of how yeah. different the preparation was. But in those months, because I mean, it's a pretty, pretty short time frame. You find out of that you're doing this hunt and now you are learning about it and preparing for it. Did you realize going into the hunt that you needed to prepare significantly different? Or was it only now after the fact that you're like, oh man, these are two radically different things?
1: No, you know, I, here's the thing. Um, I knew it was different for, for two, two, two very, very, uh, fundamental reasons. Number one is this isn't a backpack hunt so you know what really made the difference on my mountain goat hunt was just really focusing on on core strength and you know when you're crawling through the alder jungles and you've got the backpack on and you know that just just you're just adjusting for your center of gravity being different and and up and down and you know it's it's it's, it's crazy right so but the reason it's not a backpack hunt is because of the altitude and the altitude was the big unknown right so uh you 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 arrive to to the hunt area at 10,000 feet then you you you, you base camp 1 is at 115 sheep camp is at 135 hunt area is between 155 and 165 uh in altitude so you're you've got enough just getting your carcass up the mountain so the the sherpas and the porters do not allow flatlanders to carry anything you know except my bino harness so i i mentioned that because it's altitude and and the way that i prepared was was very different than than for for my southeast alaska goat hunt so firstly you know i did a lot of research on on alpine um conditioning and and what i what i learned and, and what was a recurring theme for this type of situation is you're kind of working sub threshold on 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 you know your aerobics right so long sustained lower heart rate work w- was the key then in terms of the altitude, that was the thing that really concerned me the most because as, as a lot of your listeners know, you know, response to altitude is, is independent of, of, of conditioning. You know, they, they, they don't go together much at all. You can be the best athlete on the planet and you can still get struck down by altitude. So, um, I, I did this trip with an old mountain biking buddy of mine and, uh, he, He's an endurance athlete. He, we used to call him Eric the Lung, you know, and, and his method of preparation, he, he's, he's just a, he, he does, he's, uh, uh, he, he's done three, three or four times he's done the, the race to the top of the Empire State Building, you know, so this guy's like a great companion to have along. I'm not worried about his conditioning, but I know that that's not my way of doing it. So, but, but in, in our research to prepare, we found this company that, um it's called hypoxico and what they do is it's it's a, a tent that you basically envelops your bed and and what it allows you to do is to simulate sleeping at altitude because that's one of the big big things with altitude if you're not prepared is that your sleep is crap and you'll never recover you know when you need to because you're just not able to to sleep so it comes with this generator this big tent and, and my wife wanted nothing to, she stayed in the guest room for, for, for a month. We, she was like, dude, you are out of your freaking mind. Yeah. But you can rent these units. And and so I was able to, to basically ascend like a thousand feet a night. And just depending on your, your tolerance. And, and so what I ended up doing, I, I rented this thing for a month right before I, I departed for the hunt. So... I was able to to just dial up slowly up to 13,000 feet simulated. And kind of give you an example, um, you know, uh, at, at, at sea level, <clears throat> oxygen is basically 21% of room air. So by the time I was in the last like week, 10 days, I was sleeping at 13 and a quarter percent. There's a little oxygen monitor that you can have inside the unit. And I, I really feel like the combination of the the, the 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 way I worked out and the oxygen tent along with proper diamox, which is a whole nother thing I can talk to you about, but those three things at sixteen thousand five hundred feet, I was fine. I, I didn't have one minute of headache. I was able to 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 keep up. And, and do what I needed to do on the mountain. And it, it was, I, I slept well. I, I ate like the way I was supposed to. Um, it, it, it really worked out. So I was fortunate to just have some facts and some some experience uh, or just talking to people like, here's what worked for me and, and just really dial it in. And, and I think especially living at um, the oceans right here. So I'm as, as at sea level as you could possibly be but had no no ill effects whatsoever and 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 was able to enjoy the experience not being you know nauseous and, and and headaches and and all the other things i mean i had some meds on board just in case but i i just gave them to the outfitter just in case somebody else has a problem
0: i've never personally used a hypoxico unit but i know some folks who have not necessarily for hunts but more for like training for some uh mountain events oh sure and yep. uh All of the reports I've heard are, you know, that they seemingly help tremendously. Um, And it is one of, I think, one of the few things you actually can do. (laughs) Like, to your point, Lane, and you said it, like, fitness to an extent really doesn't matter. Uh, Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of things you can't do to simulate the conditions of altitude. Really, this is one of the few things you can do. Um, so a pretty and you're
1: doing it for for eight hours a night.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, pretty yeah. quote unquote extreme measure, but for extreme conditions, sometimes that's what you have to do. Yeah. Was it tough to adjust to sleeping in that, or is it pretty easy transition?
1: It 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 was a little tough. I mean, you're you're aware of the the you know the work of breathing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know you can attenuate that. To you, you know, and, and they 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 tell you in the in the in the guide, um, you know, if you're having trouble sleeping, back off a little bit, get used to, and, and so you can really dial it in, um, for for however you are feeling, you know, because it is very, you know, everyone's physiology is different, and you know, but 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 the, but there's a, a flexibility to allow you to 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 not lose a lot of sleep and not torture yourself, uh, but more importantly. You know, build up the hemoglobin to an extent, and 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 have your body used to being like you know having blood uh, oxygen saturations in in the 90s, you know, low to mid nineties. So, all of that to say, it it made a world like Eric and I couldn't believe. Like, we we feel great, up up you know, sleeping at thirteen five, and then and ascending. And it was yep, it was really great.
0: And you said you did that for a month, leading right up to the trip. yeah they
1: recommend a month to six weeks. So I did, I did a month, okay. you know, right up into the day and, you know, just schlepped it back to the, you know, shipped it back to him. And yeah, yeah. Cool. It was super, super convenient. And, um, and, and you know, just versus being sick, you know, you're, you're halfway around the world and the, and the only remedy for altitude sickness is to descend. So, you know, that's, that's the only thing that's going to make you feel better. So, uh, and that's, you know, that's a whole situation, right?
0: Yeah. And when did you yeah. leave again? When did you leave the States? Time. So, we
1: left uh, October
0: 27th. Okay. One of the details, DC- you sent me, I, you know, we don't have like this long exchange part of this podcast. Um, right. I just have some notes from you. And one of them that I was surprised by was um, the blue sheet permits are auctioned once a year. You said in late August by the government. Yes. And I knew that Correct. they were limited, but I didn't realize there's only 19 issued annually. Eight That's for right. the fall um, and then the rest for the spring. How did that work with, you've booked this hunt ahead of time, right? So your That's outfitter right. is essentially guaranteeing that he's purchasing this for you or how does that work? So,
1: yeah, it's, it's an interesting process in its own right. So the way the cost breaks down is is you you have your cost with with the domestic outfitter. And then he has the the Nepalese outfitter on the other end. And so in late August, they have both the blue sheep and the, the Himalayan tar permit auction. And so Mahesh, who, who runs Himalayan safaris over in Nepal, goes to the auction and he bids on the permits... For the hunters that they have lined up. So it's a block of hunters to hunt in um Dordopan hunting preserve. And so it's it's like a commodity. It, it it's in it, what I found was interesting is the the permit price actually went down from last year. So you're not sure what your final is gonna be in terms of cost, and you're you, you And what they do though is is domestically they say, listen, you give us a ceiling on what you're willing to spend for the permit, and we won't we won't cross that threshold. so um but they kind of give you a, a a ballpark of of w- what you should be looking at, you know um, mm-hmm. and if it's close, they'll cover it, you know it, but but yeah, so but but you're not hundred percent sure if if things went bluey, and with 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 North American sheep hunting, the way it's going, you know, I was I was more than a little concerned that uh, you know who knows what this will go for.
0: Man, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, yeah, as you said, you have previous years' history, right? Of like, oh, here's what they've gone for and trends. But I'm sure, to your point, that's changed over time with demand and interest and
1: Yeah, it 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 has, you know, and, and and it even depends on what, you know, like the, the behavior of the other outfitters. So apparently there was a, a bit of a scandal last season. One of the outfitters, um, had a bunch of hunters and it, it, it did affect the market and, and, and like, like a commodity. It was, it was very volatile. And, 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 and so the permits were more last year because of this particular, the pr- practice of this particular outfitter. You know, um, and then it's kind of normalized now, and you know, but but it is only 19 permits for each species, and then that's that is it. And and yeah, roughly there's a spring and a fall season, um, and you know, there are of course advantages and disadvantages to each of those seasons. You know, generally speaking, fall is more uh, stable in terms of weather because the the, uh, the the season is basically from October first through uh through like mid to late November. And then the spring opens up in April. Um and in the spring you may have snow. It's more volatile, but the sheep are going to be down lower because because of the snow up high. So there's, you know, basic, you know, it 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 all comes out in the wash basically. It depends on what you what you want and what you what your availability is and all that stuff. Sure. So
0: yeah what type of time commitment is this like in advance? I mean, you're roughly looking at two weeks, three weeks more. It's I don't closer.
1: Know. It, it can be closer to three weeks. Okay. Um, You know, uh, and that's, that's at the, that's at the max. Right. And and my commitment ended up being two weeks uh, just related to when, when I killed my Ram and, and just the logistics, because just so from, from, you know, US leaving your leaving the airport to to getting to the Hunt area is six days alone right there.
0: Yeah. I was gonna ask for a a semi-brief rundown of that because I know there's a oh, lot yeah. of steps involved, but what is no, okay, no. You're Yeah, I'll New give York I'll give you the, the, the timeline. To, yeah. New York to base camp. What does that look like?
1: Okay. I'll I'll tell you. So um and as I was in my notes, you know, living in New York City that's a whole nightmare in terms of long guns and, and airports and all that stuff. That's a whole story in its own, own right. But so I flew from, so the 27th, I fly from Albany to, to Philadelphia where I, where I meet my, my, my buddy. So so we're going to say, we're going to say like, you know, uh, leave at for 4 PM on the 27th. And now we leave at 9 PM from, philly to doha so um and fly cutter fly airlines so we go to cutter and that's that's 13 hours right there so now it's the next day
0: so then sorry forgive oh, my ignorance yeah. what country is no. doha in
1: it's in cutter it's in cutter K- okay. gotcha. yeah yeah so it's it's in in the you know in the emirates
0: yeah yeah when you said cutter airlines i was thinking that was like glossed over that being the country okay i got you right, right.
1: you could say qatar you know or cutter I'm, I'm i'm still not sure exactly which is which is preferred
0: gotcha but
1: so we do that there's 13 hours and then it's a six hour layover over in in cutter then we go another day overnight to because you're you're losing all sorts of time to from cutter to Kathmandu, nepal so we land the second day, very early in the morning, and we're met by Mahesh and, and his crew. And as I mentioned to you, that you know, getting through customs with a firearm in Nepal is a huge deal um, because you're not allowed to own a fire, firearm in Nepal, and uh, no one you can't hunt in Nepal. So it's it's a very unique situation. So. We leave the gun at the airport and we go to uh, the hotel in, in Kathmandu. And so we have a day, two days in Kathmandu, basically a day and a half where we have to register the firearm. And then we have to go to the government office for me to register as a hunter. And so there's a fingerprint situation and there's a picture of me. And, you know, you look back There's Craig Boddington and, and uh, Dale Shockey and all these other guys that have done this hunt over the years, you know, they have a book with all everybody in there. So you go and do that. So after that whole experience, so that that's a, that's a day, a day and a half, then comes the helicopter. So there's a helicopter that takes you from Kathmandu to the landing zone. And so now it's midway through the, like the third or fourth day you, you land. And then now you're in the hands of Maheshan and his Sherpas and porters. And then they're going to take three days to get you to sheep camp. And that's pa- partially just to, to, to suss you out as a, as a client like, okay, everyone says they're in shape for these things or they, they prepared and you know how that goes. Yeah. So what they do the, Day one is just a, an hour and a half hike. So we, we hike off the ridge down into a valley, have lunch, then climb to like, we land at 10,000, then we climb to 11,500. And so that's base camp one. And so they have the whole camp set up and you spend the night there. Then day two, once you're, 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 you know, now that we're on the hunt, so to speak, day two is just a a conditioning hike. So we're going to climb from 11.5 to like 12,750. And that's just a day hike. So that's a three, three and a half, four hour hike. And when you spend some time up there, come back down to to base camp one, hang out. And now we're going to do the big push to sheep camp. And then that... That's a, that's an eight mile hike from eleven five to thirteen five, and that's 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 really interesting. You're going through all these different, um, you know, uh, uh, environments, like you know, through through bamboo forests, and, and it, it's very interesting as you you, you work your way above treeline, and then then you, you set up at sheep camp, and now we're in you know, Dort Patan, park we are in our hunting block dortopan door block uh, dortopan park is a 512 square mile preserve just for hunting and as i was telling you in the in the uh, notes it's kind of treated like blm land in the united states where all, all summer it's it's for for herders and grazing and, and there's all sorts of domestic you know animals in there and then you know the weather turns and they get the heck out of there but there we are and we were hunting block 5 of of their six blocks within in Dortpatan um, park so it takes that long just to to set up and then you start to hunt but but it's all it's all very much intentional just in terms of them gauging all right how How quickly can we climb? How are our clients? How are they doing? Um, And it's almost like an interval training situation where, you know, if we'll hit steep pitches, they'll stop, rest for 20 seconds, and then we'll go for a minute. Rest for 30 seconds, go for, you know, just depending on the terrain. But they're very good at judging and keeping you from blowing up. So you know, we, me and my 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 buddy were just like, yeah, that this is that we're just doing intervals because your heart rate just shoots through the roof, but then drops. On we go, and and that's the that's kind of the way that they they manage flatlanders at altitude. And it was you know it was very effective because like I say, I never I never felt overwhelmed. Um, you know they give you the uh, the Himalayan climbing stick there, and and that's good for you know everything until you get to the gnarly stuff, but yeah so it it was it was great. It was paced in a in a manner that if you you did your basic preparation, it would be
0: fine that's fun to hear about i'm um, what do you go into this hunt with in terms of gear because obviously it's you know all these camps are set for you, et cetera you yes. have guides and Sherpers and all all of the assistants like which we can talk more about what that looks like but yeah. aside from your rifle and your binos, what are you what did you bring and what did you actually need?
1: Well, it was, you know, was interesting because, you know, as, as a backpack hunter, we do everything to shed every ounce, you know, and, 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 and you get very obsessive about that. And this is not that this is take whatever you want. That'll, that'll be under 50 pounds, you know, in your pack. And I, what I ended up doing, I have a, you know, a 6,500, uh, series pack and, I took the frame out of it and just loaded it with all sorts of stuff because the, the one thing that I need, knew I would need is at altitude it's cold, you know, and overnight we're talking teens. So I knew I had to kind of game it that way, um, but I didn't have to be necessarily careful about. I could bring comfort things and like uh, the, the one of the, the the hero pieces of equipment was my um, Thermarest Neolite Xtherm. Because I mean, I, I it was just fabulous. I can't say enough good things in terms of just keeping my marginal sleep system effective, you know, in in mid in mid to lower teens overnight at altitude. So that was great, you know. And I had to, I had to, I didn't, I didn't have a zero degree bag, so I brought my thirty degree bag with a liner with me, wearing all my my down, but that did the job for me. Um. I, my buddy, you know, as part of a contribution to the hunt, we got an ATX, uh, a Swarovski ATX 85. And other than at camp, I didn't even take it out of the damn bag. And I, and that's a whole story in its own right. But but um, <laughs> it, I, we just schlepped that thing. And, and, you know, in terms of the hunt itself, um, we had a porter assigned for the hunt. So... And his name appropriate was Big Mon. And Big Mon is, and, and the way that these these porters work is just insane. They they have a wicker basket, and it's a it's literally fastened to their back on a strap that goes over their forehead. And these guys are in knockoff Adidas. And so for 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 Big Mon, that was his setup. But each one of these guys is carrying camp on his back. Uh, and and the average weight of these these uh, wicker baskets is like seventy pounds of, of gear, so it, it's it's wild. So, um, yeah, and even they won't even let you carry the rifle. So you you you're just responsible for your your carcass. So so y- you know my advice would be take what your your makes you comfortable because there's no there's no weight penalty, you know, other than just being generally responsible, knowing you're going to take a helicopter and 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 all that type of stuff.
0: You said fifty pounds earlier. Was that a oh guideline that they gave you?
1: Well, he, they, they,
0: and even that was just suggested. It w-
1: it wasn't a hard because we took a helicopter. You know, they weighed us. They weighed our gear. Everything was fine. So it w- it wasn't like you're you're going on a piper, yeah. You know, cub. So it wasn't that hardcore. You could and, and you know i I brought a lot of cold weather gear, knowing that that would be a thing, even during the day at altitude. Um, but, uh, you know, I ended up wearing the same stuff over and over again, you know, I didn't change per se because I, what I had was working and it's okay. You know, I don't need extra layers or, or whatever. Um, so, so yeah, yeah. You know, and then of course, you know, like critical as you would expect is, is boots and, and, you know, for me, uh, you know, proper orthotics in the boots, you know, that that's a critical piece and, and for flatlanders like us, um, you know, uh, uh trekking poles you know which you know we're were and a blessing depending on the on the terrain but they were never in the way that i was more thankful to have them than not you know Mm -hmm. and some guys you know prefer an ice axe but on this particular situation i don't think it was necessary for an ice axe
0: you mentioned uh in the notes upwards of 30 orders and sherpas Yes, horses and donkeys. Is that just for the two of you in your hunt? That is
1: for the that is for the two of us. It's crazy, right? <laughs> so there are thirty people in this party, and you've got and all the porters. It, it, just to get to this country is, is crazy. The, uh, Mahesh was telling us the uh, the the outfitter that these guys he'll he'll go he'll hire them. And these porters are, some of them are fifth and sixth generation porters. That's what, that is the family business. That's what they do. And it takes them two days by bus from Kathmandu. And then where the road ends, it's another four day hike to, to that base camp one. And that's, and they, they live there the whole season. So, but they pick up the whole camp. But so you have, it's not, it's probably about, I'd say 15, 17 porters and six donkeys and horses that carry this entire camp, the whole eight miles to, to to the base camp.
0: So when you talked about moving from base camp one to sheep camp in my head, I was thinking those were preset camps. You're moving between them, but you and the whole crew, well, obviously not you really, but the whole crew is picking up all the equipment. Yes. They're picking up the camp of base camp one and you are caravanning up to sheep camp.
1: Correct. It's all this. Yeah. And then they do the same thing back in reverse. They break camp, you know, they get up early, they break camp and they they go back to base and then they'll stay there for a minute, you know, cause I was the last hunt of the uh, season. Then they'll consolidate. They have, pl- and, and, and base camp one was in this tiny little village out up up the hill from the village. So it's a, a village of probably about 25 people that it's all subsistence. No, no water, no, no running water, no 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 electricity, just just subsistence in, in the mountains, some livestock and some some um, some crops and you know on terraces in, in the field there. Yeah,
0: wow. One of the individuals, as you said, that an actual game officer from the government accompanied you on the hunt itself. That's
1: right. And and that's a mandate from the Nepalese government um, that it can go one of two ways. This guy was was new and young and very fit and wanted to be on the hunt. Um, and he was great because he served as a an interpreter sometimes because nobody on the hunt speaks English. The only person in camp that speaks English is Mahesh, who's the head head guy. And then a couple of guys have a few phrases, but that's it. You know, um so but the Nepalese government requires, if not on the hunt, then at camp kind of to certify uh, certify the hunt, so to speak, and get the uh, you know the demographic information from the animal itself so that that they they have a report to fill out um, you know on the age class of the animal and 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 they take the measurements and they just keep track of that. So yeah, but but on all the hunts, you, you'll have a game officer. and if it's an older guy, he just stays behind in camp. He's not going to go up into the mountain. <laughs> so but this guy was he he wanted to come with, it, so you know uh, and he was he was more than welcome. but yeah. you know, in the event that you injure an animal, they have to fill that out. you know your your hunt is over, you know as as any outfitted hunt would would, would dictate, you know so but but he he was great. He was a, a big help.
0: So speaking of, you know, the animal and age class and etc i'm completely ignorant to what are what are the regulations how difficult is this like in terms of by difficult they don't mean conditions but is it tough to find a legal you know sheep or is it relatively easy to find one legal but then there's like levels of trophy quality like what does that even look like i have no idea yeah so
1: it, it is interesting um uh there is there in answer to your first question there there isn't a minimum legal size right so um, our 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 outfitter uh, Mahesh was complaining that you know there's certain people that are willing to take four and five year old animals um and that would be looked upon. As it would be in North America, right? They're, they're just immature animals with lots of life left in them. That's not what you're after, but 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 there, there's no prohibition against it. Um. So the you know kind of the standard of of Mahesh's outfit and and any decent outfitter is is that you know eight to twelve or above year old animal. Um, just like it would be in North America. Now, this is where, where it got a little interesting in that, you know, the the horn configuration of a blue sheep isn't curled like a, a North American, you know, doll or a bighorn. So they the horns basically come out in an arc straight out of the head, you know, um, so it looks like a, a a mustache, if you will. And then the horns in the mature animals start to to come back. So it's like an M on top of their heads, if you could imagine that. And so, you know, as a North American person that's never seen a live blue sheep, you know, you're really reliant on the, the guides to, to determine okay, what's the special animal in a group of, you know, relatively same looking animals at you know out, out in the field so 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 and, and you know they they, t- they take especially given the fact that these guys can't hunt they take a lot of pride in finding that biggest animal and that's the ethos of of the outfitter and everybody in that camp so that's the objective so in my particular case i ended up um killing a 10 year old ram great example uh you know of a mature animal super happy with it um you know and that was my own personal and and we saw a lot of you know immature, immature Rams and ones that are just worn quite up to snuff you know there there, there are because they're only 19 taken you know there they're there are relatively you know um there's good opportunity let me put it that way Mm-hmm. But 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 defining like the 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 ram that I ended up killing was in a group of of three. There it was, was a bachelor group, and the other two were close. And it would have, I would not have been able to discern what what the best quality of animal would be in in animals were probably about a year year and a half apart. So they said, "No, no, that's the one we want you to kill." Okay. And I said, "Okay, yeah, yeah." <laughs> So it's a little, a little tougher. They're just, you, you know, and, and but th- th- these things can live 12 years, you know, 13 years, you know, those are extremely rare, but, but yeah, if you, if you look hard enough, I guess, you know, um, that's pop, that's totally possible. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, but, but, but you, you are a little bit reliant on the guy to, to, just to define that that little extra bit of difference i mean same in, same in North American hunting when when you've got some, an animal that's close and you're trying to count rings and and here it's more you don't have to do that it's I mean it's very apparent once you see the animal up close, but you're not you're not you're, you're looking more at size than try thankfully than trying to count rings in this case
0: diving into the hunt. I guess a, a bit of the hunt story you mentioned sheep camps at thirteen five ish and you're hunting up, up near 1600. So, and that's something you're, you're gaining and descending like each day then. Yes.
1: So that's, that, that's the, there's no spike camping, right? So you, you, you know, and it's the old adage, you know, uh, climb high, sleep low, you know, relative to the terrain. So the hunt begins at four in the morning, you know, and and the the sherpa comes wakes you up, and you have a breakfast. But then you put you strap the headlamp on, and up you go. So right out of the box, there's a there's a there's a two about I'd say almost two thousand foot ascent to get up to to the hunt area per se. And then that and 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 as as I was mentioning, you're not sitting and glassing. You are moving the entire day. They are just they they just use their binoculars, you're using your binoculars, and you're just looking in every drainage and every bowl and looking for that animal. So it's it it's more of a run and gun kind of thing. And then okay, we see animals. Here's here's how we're gonna do this, you know, with that again, all nonverbal. It's just come on, let's go. <laughs> yeah. So there, there there's a there's definitely a zen quality to to, to this hunt that's different because you know we as americans want to be involved in the you know the, the process you know, what's our yeah. strategy there's none of that man it's it, it's it's just trusting that you're with two hardcore badasses that take an enormous amount of pride in in getting their their you know it's their hunt too yeah you know and that's the best quality of any any outfitter is is they are as invested as you could ever be if if not you know or at least as much we'll say right so mm-hmm. these guys are you know this this is it this is it for them you know they they're going to they're going to they're gonna figure this out and so you kind of and and they'll they'll get excited when they see see a, a band of of sheep and and we'll 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 go look at them and tr- try to pick out it and see if there's anything worth pursuing you know um so it's very interesting in that, in that sense, there's not, there's no talking There's You're just, you're, you're just kind of, um, you're there, you're there for the ride. You're there for the experience. And, 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 you know, and you're really working without a net, you know, God forbid you fall there, you know, it's going to take forever for any kind of response, you know, uh-huh. because nobody knows where we, I mean, you could hit the in reach and they'll know kind of where we are, but, but, as our helicopter was explaining, it's going to take the Nepalese government a minute to figure out who's going to go and fetch mm-hmm. these guys. Yeah.
0: It's not like the coast guards there or something. No,
1: there's, <laughs> yeah. there's none of that man. And, and it's you and, 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 and so there's a group of seven of us that actually went on the hunt. So it's, it's me and my buddy. It's the head guide and his, his, his second guide. And then there's the, the game officer the the porter and the guy that carried lunch <laughs> so he was kind of an extra <laughs> he, was, he was funny he just carried lunch that was his, his job but he wanted to come along so
0: so in terms of actually hunting from sheep camp each day it's the set, it's those guys you just mentioned those seven
1: it's the set group that's right because okay. the, the the porter that that's a big prestige job for him yeah, yeah. And his name is big mon they called him and like i said he he was the strongest of all the porters so that's a huge prestige for him to to, to actually go on the hunt so yeah. he's thrilled he's thrilled to be there he's he's just yeah and, and the guy was an, an animal just unbelievable you know his facility to 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 climb this insane terrain with this wicker basket on his head it's it's just otherworldly just just the the short-footedness of these these people and the way they were able to navigate the mountain is just Wild And with the responsibility of two Flatlanders and trying to choose routes that we could manage, you know, because there's a way they would do it. But then, okay, we got these these two goofballs. We've got to get them where we want to be. So it just it just um, just, that that, just that job and that responsibility. And, And as Mahesh said, well, if you fall, the whole team goes with you. as as he put it he says those guys are not gonna you know they're not gonna let you go down alone so it's 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 a very interesting a very vivid experience because because you really are there's not anybody around for hundreds of miles and and help is not around the corner so it's 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 intense
0: so mahesh wasn't one of the seven that's on the actual hunt days with you
1: no so mahesh is 75 years old
0: oh wow so
1: yeah, he's a, he's a thorough badass like he's he's climbing up to sheep camp, but his days of hunting are over. He says, no, yeah. man, you know, I'm just going to slow you guys down.
0: So back to your point on if that game officer wasn't there and he didn't know some English like it would have been oh, no. literally no, pretty much no communication then verbally.
1: That's correct except wow. for the very most basic, and yeah. like he, he helped us out a couple of, like, okay, what are we up to now? And oh, they're gonna do this. So th- that was a little helpful. Like I, I, right. I just get a clarification of, of what <laughs> what we were up to, you know, in terms of the, the kind of the way the hunt unfolded. Yeah, yeah. So yes. Wow. Yeah, but without him, then then it's just you know the kind of the universal language of hunters
0: right yeah some hand signals yeah. and i'm sure some hand signals shooting. is what we want yeah. you to
1: do exactly exactly just very few words but even as it was it, it, it just you know i i i'd say for the whole hunt the the communication between me and the guys would probably five or six words that's it wow and it's it does it does take a little getting used to it. it's just kind of okay i'm yeah. on a journey here let's 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 let it unfold
0: yeah absolutely i don't want to skip anything like notable or parts of the experience. Um, so I somewhat would to let you drive the timeline. I also don't want to keep you on here, uh, for okay, days no, no. cause I certainly could. So whether you want to skip to like the hunt day, you know, when you were able to take the blue sheep and that experience, or if there was like days leading up to that, where there was a notable, like, I'll just kind of let you talk about that.
1: Yeah. No, no. I was thinking of that. Right. Yeah. Cause we could, we could really get into the sure. dive tell crazy into the hours. weeds on this thing. Right. Yeah. Right. But but what made this hunt unusual um, from other hunts I've been on was you—you, you, the hunter—are are really a part of a collective, and and it, it's very heavily felt. Like you know, everybody is out here for you, right? This is their job, and everybody on that mountain is beyond thrilled to be there because the wage they're getting is far and away because nepal is a is an extremely poor country and so the average daily wage of a lot of these guys in the off season is a dollar or two a day i mean literally they're they're, they're farmers they're they, they they have other lives and so to give you an example uh, my guide um Zhang ba had been with mahesh since he's 14 years old and he's 54 now he's been with him for 40 years and worked his way up the ranks from, from, um, a porter to the camp cook to, to, assistant guide to guide. So Mahesh has this core group of guys that have been with him because he, Mahesh started back in 1975. He's the oldest remaining, uh, blue sheep outfitter in Nepal. So th- th- all that to say is like, these guys are super invested in an outcome. They take a great deal of pride in, you a know, good sheep being killed, and and, and it's it, it's never like overt that you feel it, but it's an interesting bit of a pressure, you know, um, or just an awareness, like like oh boy, I can't let this crude. Everyone is working so hard to get you where you need to be, and give you the opportunity, and you owe it to them to come through. And the 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 the, the oddest bit of, of of pressure, if you will, came when. I, I, we were in camp before the hunt started and I see, and I'd heard, oh, you know, they they actually bring live chickens, you know, to, 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 to eat. And I said, oh, is, is that chicken for dinner? And and Mahesh says, no, man, that, that is the sacrifice for your hunt. And I went, oh, wow. Okay. So (laughs) it, Hmm. it was an odd bit of, of, but, but, but culturally, the Sherpas, they, 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 they do a sacrifice for, for the hunt. So that was an odd bit of, of unexpected process. Oh, I got to come through for the chicken. The poor guy's going to, you know, get the ax. (laughs) Yeah. So, so, so yeah, there's, there's that from a cultural perspective, you know, and, and, and from a kind of a a, a collective effort on the hunt. So the other, the other factor is because I am a Northeast hunter, I just, I just don't have access for long range practice right all our ranges up where I am are 200 yards 250 at the most and open there's not a lot of open ground in the Adirondacks it's it's very woody it's 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 a thing so yeah I had a discussion with Mahesh I said listen man I I've gotta I've gotta keep if possible keep my shot at you know 250 and below I'm 100 confident I've done the work but beyond that, I'm 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 not I'm not comfortable, and that, of course that puts a lot, you know it, it's it's a double edged sword for an outfitter, you know. Um, I think most outfitters would rather hear that message than oh don't worry man I've, I'm I'm good to 500.
0: Yeah, I you agree know,
1: with you. Right, that that dismissive long range prowess, you know, who knows mm-hmm. what that's going to be. So he said, okay, you know, the boy he, he refers to them as the, the boys will do their best to 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 get you within that range. And of course, in mountain hunting, that generally equates to five times more work, which it turned out to be. You know, to get get your client, you know, get get that closer shot. Um, so, um, you know, uh, as we were hunting, we we saw a shooter right from camp, and that's the only time I got my Swarovski out. Um, but but we weren't going to make a play. It's, it's, it's an evening and, and, and uh, a big, big band of sheep came out to feed in the, uh, toward the top of the mountain where, you know, we were going to be climbing the next day. And, you know, um, we had an initial opportunity um, as we climbed and, but the animals were, I think 368 yards. Uh, And there was a shooter in there and, you know, uh, again, without, without saying anything, these guys said, no, 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 we'll we'll climb around. And, and uh, we got that down to like 250 yards or so, and wind shifted and goodbye animals. And okay, fair enough. And we spent another couple of, you know, a couple of days looking at immature animals, um, nothing that really met the, met the criterion. And then, um, on the day that I actually ended up, uh, being successful. We, we, we did our, we did our morning climb, you know, and we get, we get to the, to about 15,000 feet at, at right at daybreak. And it's kind of an area, uh, that trekkers preferred and there's a little lake up there. It's beautiful. And, uh, the, the guides spotted this bachelor group, these three animals and they, they really liked them. And so, kind of the groove was they look and with their with their binoculars and then we we'd hike for a while and then we'd set up on a on a ridge real quick and these guys they they liked this little bushnell uh old japanese bushnell spotting scope with this rickety you know uh really dicey looking tripod but it's what they used and 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 they could identify animals and they'd call me up and they'd, they'd say that's that's the animal you know take a look and 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 you know i had this this beautiful swarovski but it would have really ruined the whole groove of the hunt if i'm getting that thing out of the bat the the, the the wicker basket out of the the the, 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 the day pack and these guys are run and gun i i all i could have done is gotten in the way you know it, oh i want to see it through you know my superior optics so I, that's kind of the zen thing like just let this thing unfold and you know I, what i didn't know is now we're going on a six hour stalk for those animals i had no idea so we're going we're going we're going and we get into some really really gnarly stuff where the uh the the assistant guide gets out his his kind of handmade uh iron ice axe and he cuts toe holds for us across this just just it's just an abyss you know beyond it but full you know full uh confidence you know guides us through and we're climbing we're climbing we're climbing we're, we're and and what had happened to make a little more dicey was a foot and a half of snow had fallen the night previous. So everything is covered in a blanket of snow. So you're not sure where your footfalls are. So, you know, I'm behind the guide and I'm just basically putting my foot where he put his foot to the best of my abilities. Cause there's nothing to prevent me, you know? So it was, it, it was very intense, um, all doable, but, and, and these guys made sure it was. So we go, we go, we go. And then we see, and we're we're at 16 plus the whole time 16 to 165 and basically what we are we end up doing is we're circling the back of the the the, the, the mountain um, still uh, with the idea that these this this group is going to feed up and bed uh, as as the sun is climbing so they're following the sun so they can bed down like mid afternoon and just chill before they, they do their evening feed. So we're going, we're going, we're going. And I still not sure what we're up to. I'm, I'm not sure if we, I, I'm, I'm not even sure we're after these animals. I have no idea. And then we see, we come up, we come around the mountain and there. And meanwhile, they, they'll, once in a while they'll go and they'll peek up and then they'll come back down. And I'm thinking, well, they're not excited. So maybe, I don't know what we're up to, but we're going to go. So we, we're going, we're going. And, um, and so we see a, uh, uh, a very clear trail up to a bedding area. And I'm thinking, Oh, okay. We're going to, we're going to climb this ridge. We're going to set up in the rocks and we're going to wait for them to go to their bedding area. We're going to ambush them. And then we keep climbing. I go, Okay. All right. Maybe that's not the, the strategy. And we sit down for a minute. And it's been, it's been like six hours since we initially spotted this group. And I'm thinking, Oh, it's lunchtime. And then through the interpreter, they go, the animals right there we got to go just the three of us meaning the two guides and uh and me and what what okay okay it's happening so these guys they managed to strategize you know no, there's no maps there's no onyx there's nothing it's just them and and their knowledge intimate knowledge of block five and you know dork pan patan um park and we climbed to the edge of this ridge and they they set up their little bushnell and they 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 point it down and that's the animal. Said, what? That's the animal. That's the animal we want you to kill. And they didn't say any of this, they just say, you know, big one, big one. <laughs> so and you know, one of the concerns any mountain hunter has is like, okay, when presented with the opportunity, what what's going to be my hold? You know, am I going to have a stable rifle position? You know, all those worries. You know, you never know what what you're going to what you're going to be encountered with. And these guys set me up with 158 yard straight downhill shot but you know i had my Leicas and 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 it gave me the compensated um the compensated distance and the only thing they wanted me to do like i could have shot that animal all day in its bed but they wanted me to wait for it to stand up and i said okay i'm gonna respect that you know that's the better shot anyway so I sat there and like, you know, any hunt, mountain hunter has to do, you know, that animal's bedded and he's, he's comfortable. He's in the sun, but the sun, now the sun's starting to go down and it's freezing up there, you know, and we have the perfect wind. The wind is, it's an updraft the whole time. So he has no idea we're there and they just want me to wait for him to stand up. So I'm set up. Thank God I have my puffy pants on because I'm laying in snow, but I've got a good rest and sun's coming in and out. I'm starting to shiver. It's an hour and a half waiting for, for the Ram to stand up. And, uh, he stands up for a second, but then he just swaps his head from his ass and sits right back down. Like, Oh, you know, all right. But then finally, after an hour and a half, he stands up, hit the trigger. And, and he just stacks up and rolls a short, short way down to the bottom of the hill. And, uh, that's the only time I saw you know uh uh bartar and uh, Zheng Ba jump up good shot <laughs> they were happy <laughs> and uh it was a, it was a great outcome the guys did a just a phenomenal job of of lining me up with a shot I could feel a hundred percent confident on and and dispatch the I mean he didn't move he just rolled down the hill and 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 that and it was over it was great it was great
0: wow and so you're you're losing daylight though at this point
1: no no not yet it, it, it's it's intermittently cloudy we have some weather moving in but oh, okay. i shot uh, yeah it was like 2 p.m when i shot the animal got it so yeah we were fine for that but it, it just we, we had started at four in the morning so it was, it was a long yeah. long stock but and then the wait for him to stand up but they they set me up with just a a phenomenal opportunity you know and you know in terms of when, you know, as a hunter, when you're presented with that and you look at this collective to get you in front of that animal, you know, it, it I don't know what they would have thought of me and said, no, I'm going to hold out for something different because the animal ticked off all the boxes
0: mm-hmm. and
1: these guys, and you, you, you know, it, that's the calculus of hunting, right? Like, do I take the shot? You know, but it, it was unequivocal in my mind. It's like, I'm in a perfect situation here. And yeah. I know I have a hundred percent confidence that I can take that ethical shot within my distance and, and everything just lined up perfectly. Yeah. So, and wow. then, yeah. And then the group comes over and everyone's happy. And then, um, you know, they, they, they kind of want you to be hands off to an extent, but I, I, they were happy to let me field dress the animal at least because mm-hmm. they have a whole thing. Cause like I say that the animal really isn't yours per se, you know, in terms of the expectation. Um so I field dress the animal and as a reward, uh uh Big Mon gets gets all the the good good innards. So he got the liver, the heart, he got the uh the kidneys, and then the uh Himalayan oysters. That was a big deal for him to get. So <laughs> what is
0: that? Those, those are the balls. Oh, <laughs> as opposed to the Rocky
1: Mountain oysters, these are the Himalayan yeah. oysters. I, I assumed <laughs> so, that,
0: but I also was like, is there a totally different cultural thing? No, yeah.
1: No. So yeah, he 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 got all the goodies. Yeah, you know, and 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 so Big Mon puts that you know that entire field dressed sheep in his wicker basket and carries the thing down the mountain. Wow, and that's that's like a two and a half hour hike out back to to. To base but the, the better thing is it's all downhill so because we were at a bowl and we just followed followed it right right down so yeah wow. yeah and then there's great elation in the camp and you know I've asked oh can I help butcher the sheep and and I said no that's really the boys they they have their things so they have a whole tent set up and they, they've got six guys working on on the sheep so you've got you've got the the guides that, that do the caping. Um, and then, you know, as they cape and free up meat, then they're, they're cutting that thing up and and they had that thing broken down completely in less than an hour. And then, then the sheep is distributed throughout the camp. So the, the hunters get, you know, the quote unquote premium, um, bits, but I I wanted to experience the sheep and as as much while the time I I had there, you know, I, I could, so they, 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 uh, the the camp does a that there's three different cooks for for this this adventure right so you have the 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 cook for the, the hunters you have the cook for the porters and then you have a cook for the sherpas so three different kind of dietary um uh sensibilities but uh they do a big like uh stew for the entire camp you know and i made sure i got some of that and they cooked up liver, liver for me. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, of course had the backstrap steaks as often as I could eat them before we got out. And the thing that they hadn't done before, and the thing I wanted to experience and that's what makes them, they're so accommodating is, Oh, I, I really, I, you know, you, you hear about sheep ribs and they were like, what? I said, no, no, I, I, I understand that they're, they're fabulous. And, uh, they said, Oh no, they're going to be tough. I said, wow, you know, and I didn't, I didn't like harangue them too much. And so they come back about a half an hour later and they had, the chef had, you know, the cook had sent somebody out to get bamboo, cut bamboo down and they made skewers and they did riblets, put them on the skewers and they came up with some delicious, you know, uh, uh and marinated for them you know in the camp and and they, they got the embers and roasted them for and they were fabulous and it was really really nice of them to do that so they, they really went all out you know and then then comes the extraction you know and and they yeah. break that whole camp down and they get the horses ready and 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 pack and and, and you know one of the horses is carrying four 20 pound uh propane tanks you know that's that's a that's that horse's load for the in and out you know with all the tents and 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 all the other gear that they, they bring into this hunt
0: we can come back to some recaps on your thoughts on the experience as a whole but i'm curious just logistically what is it like getting that home i mean or what do you bring with you what is shipped later in terms uh, of the sheep
1: yeah so that's the you know the the good news bad news right so um, there was a time when you could bring the hide and horns home with you. And there's been some kind of like uh, reorganization of the whole board of game in Nepal. And they kind of reviewed their, their pro- policies and process. And so now it, it's going to be a few months before I see the hide and horns. So the, you know, like I said, the guys cape it, they, they, they take the horns off, um, salt the hide, and then Mahesh deals with the domestic side of getting the, the certifications, and you know, so you, you you pay your fees up front, you know, your your vet fees, and and then all the administrative fees that go with, which aren't a crazy amount of money. Um, and then then I'll wait. The, he, Mahesh was hoping to streamline it a little bit. It's, but but it can be it can be a few months before before it's shipped to the United States. Yeah. So it'll it'll be a bit of a wait. Yeah. So, yeah, yep, yep. Wow! And, and looking at, at at the at the uh the, the bureaucracy that just goes into like they count your rounds and and, and all the the bureaucracy that goes just into to firearms in another country. I, I, okay, I get it. You know, it's going to take right. some time.
0: Man, well, any, I I, <laughs> I, I want to dive in five different directions, but again, I don't want a five hour podcast. Um, right. <laughs> What do you want to share to to begin to recap this? Um, well, anything we didn't hit that you want to make sure we do or you just want to leave us? I mean, it's already been a great story. So interesting. Like, for me, I love this because it's, um, you know, th- the words can't capture like the big mountains that I've seen in some of oh. your photos. So I'll have to try and share those. And I just love the, like all the cultural aspects to all this. It's such a unique hunt and experience. I've already thoroughly enjoyed it but if there's something you want to make sure we also hear about I'm very oh, sure
1: that. sure no um when you mention these mountains it, it it is you know when, when you hear the term breathtaking and all that all the time but when you get off that helicopter and you're standing it, it's it's indescribable the, the the scale of everything in this country because you know we're all familiar with the Rockies. But it's it's just another, it's another planet in terms of, of of scale of everything out there. It's just the vastness and the size of these mountains is just insane. You know, um and 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 culturally, you know, when, when I was talking, when I was learning about this hunt, um, one of the things that really, really struck me is that, you know, this is an absolutely pristine hunt. You're, you're the only hunter. You, you get your your block, which is 90 square miles or so for two weeks, and you're the only hunter. There's no resident pressure. These are animals you're pursuing whose the only other pressure they receive are from snow leopards, which was another awesome thing we encountered. We encountered a s- snow leopard bed and and i photographed footprints like he was on that bed probably minutes and heard us and just got the heck out of there so that was like insane and, and the, the 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 game guy really went went wild because oh my gosh that this is great because it's such that's just that's a rarity in its own right you know um and that was like the, one of the highest points in the hunt like at, at 16 and you know probably 16.5 at the top of our hunt And he was just hanging out um so that was great so yeah, just the scale and, and 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 the fact that this this is an unspoiled hunt with animals that act naturally, that these are because they're not pressured by human beings. And ninety nine percent of the human beings they see are are farmers that are grazing their animals. So not to say that they're 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 tamed by any no, like I mean, their noses are great. Their eyes are fabulous. They're hard to spot because they're they're extremely well camouflaged. Um, for their environment, they're not like a doll sheep, uh, unless it's snow. Right. Of course. And that's the perfect camouflage, but, um, there's, there's none of that, that, that downside potentially, you know, um, when you're looking at, at North American stuff. So th- that attracted me. And then this, just the, the manner of the hunt and the, the collective that you were experiencing with these, with these people that they're lovely people, and you know, and and that said, you know, Kathmandu is just crazy. I live in New York City, and I was like, "Holy smokes, this is just this is another level of because there are four million people. I had no idea there are four million people in in Kathmandu, and it's in this valley, and it's it's just wild. It's like millions of motorcycle. It's it's just crazy. And, and like I said, I'm an urban dude, and I was like blown away. Like, holy smokes. Yeah. um but but that said you know touring some of the the Hindu temples and seeing the 24-hour cremations at, at this world heritage site was wild you know just a, a very very different um way of living and 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 culture uh uh that's just beautiful in its in its simplicity and sincerity and 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 I I, I couldn't have couldn't have asked for a better experience. I mean, it, it far exceeded, I, I had high hopes, but it far exceeded everything just in terms of the commitment to the, the hunt and the mission. And it's as far away on planet Earth as you could possibly get, you know, from one point to another, it's it's crazy how far away Nepal is and, and and just the sheer beauty, you know, once you get out of Kathmandu, it's just, it's, it's, it's just amazing. It's just an amazing adventure. And, and the and, and the rarity for what it is, um, nineteen sheep will be taken on you know on planet Earth. That's 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 just crazy. But yet it's not something that costs. You know, it's not it's not a stone sheep hunt or a desert desert sheep hunt. It's it's it's, it's a doll sheep hunt in terms of cost. So it's it, I can't say enough good things. You know, just in terms of of the immersion and and just how unusual it is and to 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 be a part of a whole another culture's hunting tradition and 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 coming through for the for the group right because you know in nepal protein is 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 valued and rare for these people and for them to to get a whole sheep to break down and share is a big deal so that that's a good feeling too you know and and the one other thing that's that's very sweet is you know, at the end of the hunt, you Mahesh has you say a few words to the and he translates to, to the whole crew. And you thank the crew and they come up and shake your hand individually and thank you for the tip. And then the villagers come up and there's a there's a, a lovely ceremony where they give you marigolds and they thank you because part of the the, the the hunt cost goes to to helping sustain this this tiny village without running water and electricity. And even the helicopter ride where, you know, with available room, we're taking sick people from the village into Kathmandu and back because there's an opening in a helicopter. So it's not going to take them six days to get back and forth. So there are just a lot of these little elements that added up just make for an immensely gratifying um,
0: experience. Well said. Thank you for reaching out and shared it yeah it's uh, it's been fun for me to hear but also i'm i'm just excited to share your experience and takeaways with uh, folks listening so thank you
1: yeah well it it is a it's a rare and weird thing i said i gotta tell the story to somebody so this has been just fabulous
0: well that's a wrap what a cool adventure thank you adam for sharing the story with us and listeners don't forget there's a link in the show description if you want to see more photos and more details about this story, you can go do that. As always, guys, if you have anything for us, feel free to send an email to podcast at xomountaingear.com. We'd love to hear any questions you want answered, guest suggestions you have, or topic ideas for future shows. Let us know. Send an email to podcast at exomountaingear.com, and we'll talk to you soon.